Hi and welcome. My name's Mel Hubbard and this is Talking Tesla. We're going to talk about the cars, the batteries, the supercharger, the rumours, stock price, of course the man, anything and everything Tesla. Why? Well, because we're... Talking. 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 Talking Tesla. Tom, it's episode three. We're talking Talking Tesla here. Everything Tesla and Tesla-ish. Let's talk about the... What's the problem? We're talking, talking Tesla. Where, is that said? what I said? Yeah, it's We're a new talking, name. Talking Tesla. It's another one. We've got talking Tesla. We've got talking, talking Tesla. It's <laughs> different versions, but very similar material. Hyperloop. You wanted to talk about the Hyperloop. This is old news. Elon Musk talked about the Hyperloop in 2013. It is 2015. Why are we going back in time? Why do you care about the Hyperloop? The Hoopaloop today. <laughs> well, I care about the Hyperloop today because the state of California. They're going to build a five-mile stretch of this thing. Not the state of California. They're going to actually build it. You're pulling that out of... It's not the state of California. Well, I mean, but in the state of California. In, in. That's a different word. In the English language, the and in, two very different (laughs) meanings. In the state... I'm sorry. You know what? You want to start over? No. In the state of California, they're going to build... A Hyperloop test track. Now, what do you actually know about the Hyperloop? Do you know anything about the Hyperloop at all? Yeah, it's um, it's like a really overzealous loop. It would be otherwise described as quite hyper. Correct. I do know something about the Hyperloop. It's something about you take uh, you take these pods, you stick them in a vacuum, and then you fire them at an incredible speed, and at the other end comes people that have been moved across the country fast. What is the Hyperloop? You know enough to be sort of mildly dangerous when it comes Thank to you. the Hyperloop. It's Thank a you. vacuum, but it's not a pure vacuum. It's a it's vacuumy enough. They just want to relieve a little bit of the air pressure that could be sort of transformed by commercially available pumps and and then move the air from the front of the train to the back of the train using pumps and it will it's like the maglev but not anything like the maglev because there's no of that pesky maglev infrastructure and noise involved, and it goes, I don't know, four times faster than the maglev. So you could go Los Angeles, San Francisco. How many miles is that? About 400. How many minutes? About 35 minutes. 35 minutes. I'm going to San Francisco for lunch, Mel. I'll be back. Um, so basically what you're telling me is that this is just a another form of rapid transport that's kind of like a train but it's in a partial vacuum. Because if you put a train in a tunnel and you try and go really, really fast, there's so much resistance to that air, you have to have a giant big tunnel. But even if it was outside, there's lots of resistance. So this is Elon Musk's idea. I don't know when this first came up. Who was the first idea of the Hyperloop? I know it wasn't uh, Elon. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if we go and take a look at the little Wikipedia, I can back that statement up. It turns out that in 1812... The British mechanical engineer and inventor, George Medhurst, wrote a book detailing the idea of transporting passengers and goods through airtight tubes using air propulsion. And in fact, the wiki article goes on and describes actually this was actually implemented in a couple of different places. For example, the Crystal Palace Pneumatic Railway operated around 1864 and used large fans, some 22 feet in diameter. They were powered by a steam engine. The tunnels are now lost. In 1869, the Beach Pneumatic Transit was an early one-block-long prototype of an underground tube transport system. In New York City, 
And in the 1910s, vacuum trains were first described by rocket pioneer Robert Goddard. And the Wikipedia article says... That one by Robert Goddard, that uh, concept is very similar to the Hyperloop technologies that Elon Musk and other people are talking about today. So it's got to be true because it's in Wikipedia. So he he came out with a paper in 2013 uh, on the SpaceX website that says, look, this is theoretically possible to create this sort of uh, very, very fast train-like structure in a partial vacuum and you could fire people across the country at thousands of miles an hour. But the one they're building in California uh, is by the Hyperloop, what's their name? The Hyperloop Transportation Technology Company. That's true. They're doing a five-mile test track somewhere along the uh, I-5, which is the big freeway between San Francisco and Los Angeles. Main one. Everything's on there. And it's being partially funded by people like uh, Jason Calacanis, for example. And they're going to give it a bash, and they're going to do some research on it, and they're going to see. Because in theory, this can be faster than the fastest uh, train in the world right now, which is hundreds of miles an hour. This could be faster. So actually, let's just jump in here and edit in some audio from the podcast This Week in Tech. It's Leo Laporte's show. I think it's one of the best tech shows on the interwebs. And he had a guy called uh, Jason Calacanis on. Now, Jason Calacanis is a very famous angel investor, entrepreneur, and he actually is investing in this Hyperloop idea. And here's 60 seconds on why he's doing it again from This Week in Tech. Dropped 100 dimes into the Hyperloop company. That's gonna be, you're crazy. That's nuts. That's a pneumatic tube from San Francisco to LA. That'll, your brains will be on the back wall of it. I just put, I just put 100 dimes into it. Why? You think I that's like, gonna happen? Listen, the same reason when people told me I invested in Uber that it was crazy. I know, like, that's, I, like that's my nuts. job is to make crazy bets. But, but uh, seriously, Elon's not gonna build the Hyperloop. He just suggested he, it. He suggested it, um, but one of his senior engineers from SpaceX. Somebody is gonna build this. And um, I invested in it, and a couple of other people have invested in it, and we're gonna make a two mile. Test track. Ah. And then uh, from there, once we get the two-mile test track and people can – and we're making a life-size one. And so when people can see that <laughs> – What do you mean life-size? Well, it's going to be doll-sized. I'm glad was, to hear that. <laughs> it was actually going back to Elon Musk. We're going little HO-sized trains. Uh, people were suggesting make a small one, right? Oh, and there it is. It, right? That's it. So we're actually making a full two-mile two track. And Are you going to ride in it? Um, I don't know if humans will be in it, but I wouldn't be opposed to it if right. it's tested enough. But here's the thing. What Elon learned with doing the space with, with the engines, they were like, oh, make a small size model. And I was like, you know what? The cost savings of making a small size right. model is the difference in materials. Right. It's not actually that much. It's not the building. Yeah. The engineering and the time cost right. of all these engineers. So we've hired right. a couple dozen engineers and we're off to the races and we'll have a two mile track in the next two years. In that show, Jason Calacanis goes further and says what they're going to do. And initially, they're talking about freight and uh, very high speeds. And this is a real thing. This is something that um, people are going to test and try out. There's a lot of stuff already on the internet saying this is crazy and it's not going to work. And there are earthquakes and the precision, the way you have to get everything lined up so perfectly is a real problem with these things. But my bet's on they can make this work. There's a lot of smart engineers working on this. And even if it was just for freight, this could really be great technology because it comes in at a price much less than standard rail. Melon Tom continue. He's talking about putting between Los Angeles and the high speed rail that is currently in production, being built as we speak. It's something I don't get this. I mean, I uh, I'm all about the mass transport and I'm all about uh, you know saving the planet, but it's like a seventy billion dollar bill for a train that's not even as fast as the fastest trains in the world. And really expensive. So why are we doing this? Why don't we do a hyperloop for like ten billion? Because okay, well, because we're we're not outside the box thinkers. Unfortunately, 
in this state. So they're going to build this train. They have to have massive amounts of of earth moved and and it's going to cut people off from their land like landowners farmers are it's going to be a total nightmare because of the way it's built it's not built on pylons that you can go under and over and and sort of thing which is the what the the plan initially for the hyperloop was this thing is built sort of like a traditional train on a raised track goes a couple hundred miles an hour it's awesome there's no possible way it's profitable ever without massive government subsidies you know, I don't know. Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Obviously, in California, we have to come up with something to move people from L.A. to San Francisco. Those are two cities that people travel back and forth constantly. There's probably 150 airplanes every day going back and forth between those two cities, millions of cars. It's just insane. So something has to give. But the entire Hyperloop system as is a $5 billion program. Now, there's a lot of guys out there that have $5 billion in their couch cushions, so that thing could be privately financed. It's less than a couple of football stadiums, to be totally honest with you, and and it could work good. There are some issues with it. No one's really quite sure if humans want to go 700 miles an hour for a half an hour at a time. Not me. Right. So, I mean, there there are some sort of issues, but let's say it's not 700 miles an hour, or it's Maybe it's 400 miles an hour or 300 miles an hour, whatever that number is that they decide to make it. It's still $5 billion. The technology is still available. And it feels like, from what I read, and you can read the exciting PDF on the SpaceX site, there's lots of articles about it. Forbes came out with a sort of a who the hell wants to go 700 miles per hour article about five minutes ago. So this Hyperloop thing is sort of gaining some traction, but... I just don't know. I mean, it's $5 billion. What the hell are we spending $70 billion on some crappy old technology? So there's two issues here. One is why the hell are we spending $70 billion on a train that's uh, not fast enough? Mm -hmm. And then um, is this theoretically possible? So I've read a lot of articles like you about this recently, Tom, from Wired Magazine to some engineering journals. And they say, yes, this is theoretically possible. But uh, it is not without issue. And uh, some of the people who uh, are very concerned about it say, look, the tolerances for error when you're flying around at 800 miles an hour in a little loopy thing is very small. And if at any point there is uh, a small earthquake, for example, or if you lose a bit of the uh, uh, alignment on the tracks or whatever, there's a million ways that um, at 800 miles an hour on the ground in a uh, train-like situation, kaboomy. So Jason Calacanis has said, yeah, probably the best way to start is not with the people, is to stick freight on this thing. And I'm like, oh, revelation. That okay, awesome. Put freight in this thing, fire that at a thousand miles an hour. If it crashes, that'll be sad. There'll be freight everywhere. But there won't be little pieces of me <laughs> everywhere. Be, but be all of our Amazon shipments <laughs> everywhere. No, I don't say that. Yeah. Yeah, my Apple Watch is exploding. <laughs> so I like that idea. And I think this uh, the concept of uh, building this Hyperloop test track is a great idea to see if this is actually viable because i don't think you really know if this kind of stuff is viable until you get it up and start testing it it sounds like it's fast sounds like it's uh, cheaper than uh, traditional rail and uh, it could be good particularly for the freight so there's this guy and he from this hyperloop corporation i'm trying to find his name here who says they're building this thing this is definitely going to happen it's going to be about five miles long and you're going to be able to go and play on it if you want so the ceo is dirk Alborn, 
And it says this in Wired magazine. Even if five miles is well short of the 400-mile stretch of tubes Musk envisions carrying people between northern and southern California in half an hour, anyone can buy a ticket and climb aboard. But they won't see anything approaching 800 miles an hour. Getting up to that mark requires about 100 miles of truck, Alborn says. And speed is not really what this we want to test here. So they just want to test a prototype. Will it work? Will people accept it? That might be kind of fun to, on the way to San Francisco, go have a poos and wheeze and just go for a quick ride on the Hyperloop oh, test track. Man. Riding on air on these pods. And if the pods are anything like the initial drawings in the Hyperloop Alpha PDF that Elon made, they're going to be cool. It's going to be very fun. Something has to change. I love the idea of moving freight. I mean, imagine a Hyperloop track directly from the port of Long Beach to all places, Central Valley, as far as warehouses and stuff like that go, that would cause that would reduce the amount of truck congestion through Los Angeles dramatically. Imagine the five through LA, the five through the through Northern California. That would actually become a pleasant ride if you could just do it for cargo. Just cargo. Just the cars and the goes. No, that's different, Mel. The oh. cargo. is Those are things in boxes. As envisioned by Elon, the idea of this was that you would have it uh, ride on a cushion of air, so you'd have these pumps flying air up, so you'd have much less resistance. And uh, you'd have the top of this uh, thing covered with solar panels, so it would be zero carbon footprint in terms of energy, and then you'd have some batteries and stuff along the way, no doubt the big giant Tesla batteries, so that at night it could go. So it's a very interesting concept. Um, we'll see once they develop this test track whether it's got any traction, as it were. But it doesn't have traction because no it's traction. frictionless. There's no friction either. Yeah, Can you imagine, though, if that crashed at 800 miles? An hour? So I was reading an article today. Here's a, one of the problems. Uh, there was an article, the Forbes article I was imagining you, the voyage no one wants to take, <laughs> the Hyperloop. So the pods at the current sort of thought process would leave the station about two to four minutes apart, which means if something were to go wrong and say the pod in front of you, yes. there's not a whole lot of time at 800 miles an hour for your pod to stop. So, oopsie. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not a reason not to do it no. because – there's uh, car accidents every day on the five freeway, so people get in accidents. I, I think, you know, they're smart cars and driverless cars and all that stuff coming. So that's the same technology I'm assuming they put into these pods. They'd be crash resistant, as it were. And I'm excited for it. I, I think it's much more interesting than maglev. Much, much more. What is maglev? You keep saying maglev. What is maglev? Magnetized levitation train. That's the that's to reduce the amount of friction. That's how high speed. Traditional high-speed rail works is on a maglev. So it's a magnetic field. The The train sort of floats above it. It reduces the amount of friction. There's no, like, wheels, so to speak, on it. It just gets kind of pushed along with an electrical force. Interesting, because a number of the uh, articles I read said, no, actually, Elon, you're wrong. That's the better way to do it is head up with magnet, magnets. Much less uh, moving parts when you're just being elevated by a magnet than when you're elevated by blowing air. Yeah, those people might be wrong. I mean, I, I don't, don't know. know. Like, I don't know. Do I Elon's look like an engineer? a different thinker? He, but again, maglev works. This the stupid California train is slower than the fastest Japanese train already. Like, but at out least of the it's box. more expensive. That's true. <laughs> I mean, it's more expensive. It's going to be much more expensive to go on it for a passenger. So, like a family of four, are they going to take it? Probably not. It's. Again, are they going to build it just for cargo? The whole thing is ridiculous. The right-of-ways, the amount of 
of construction, the $70 billion. It feels like a big, giant piece of government pork is what it feels like to me. Wow. What? Listen to you, you libertarian <laughs> Yeah, that's not really me, but I get it. I, I understand what people might No, I think a lot of us are just uh, – the argument for this train has not been made very well in my mind. I'm like, I, I don't get it. And I'm all about the trains and the public transport. I'm like, really? I'm not getting this. What am I missing here? Maybe we'll get somebody on to explain why we're ignorant sluts. Jane, you ignorant slut. <laughs> Um, let's talk about something different here. You've got a uh, SpaceX Espresso. Did you want to talk about that? SpaceX Espresso. So yeah, they sent this espresso machine. Is that the, what you were talking about last episode? I didn't know what you were talking about. Yeah. So they took in the rocket the the SpaceX, the only privately funded rocket to ever make it into Earth's orbit. I think I remember I uh, mentioned that the last time. Took an espresso machine, custom made espresso machine by one of the Italian top espresso machine makers. Because the Italian astronaut up in the International Space Station is like, this coffee the Americans are giving us is terrible, and I'll vouch for him, it's terrible. So You haven't had space coffee yet. I haven't had space coffee, but I know what they're putting up there. If my, you know, if NASA's any, you know, like the rest of America, they got some freaking Maxwell House or something up there. But so they put up this uh, espresso machine. I think it weighs about... 400 pounds it works on pods and you can get a proper cup of coffee up there it's just awesome i mean why not give them and it's all part of the plan to you can't colonize mars without a starbucks you know what i'm saying and you can't have a starbucks without an espresso machine so it's just moving the whole thing forward let's do a new topic look yeah we jump around a lot of course we do because we're hyper let's talk about government subsidies are we getting ripped off by tesla Or is there a little bit more to the story? Okay, so the title of this article from the LA Times is Elon Musk's growing empire is fueled by a $4.5 billion in government subsidies. And it was by Jerry Hurst. So uh, Mr. Hurst there says Tesla and uh, SolarCity and SpaceX are basically living off uh, the government teat that they're making their money out of the government teat. And so isn't this bad? So he makes his argument. And then Mr. Musk uh, makes his argument back, which is, uh, that is bullshit. Apparently he was all fired up saying, uh, your, math is, your math is wrong, your math is fuzzy, and it's completely taken out of context. For example, the amount of dollars given to the oil and gas industry so dwarfs this by a factor of a thousand that you're full of crap. That uh, even if you don't give us these subsidies, we're going forward anyway. It'll be fine. It's just a way to catalyze and to move things further uh, further forward. But to take this out of context and say, look, where government is giving uh, Tesla and uh, SpaceX money is completely bogus because uh, why didn't you tell them about the oil and gas industry, which is making trillions of dollars and yet still gets billions and billions of dollars of government subsidy. And this $4.5 billion is over years, over many years. So the actual number is quite small. Yeah, it's, it's small. And it's ridiculous because... I mean, solar panels, as they are, like, you want to get them started. No one is going to buy these things without some help from the government. It's too expensive. It doesn't financially make sense. It makes environmental sense. I get that. But it would have been 25 more years. China would have had solar panels on everybody's roof. We would have spent billions, literally billions and billions of dollars in taxpayer money, building new uh, electrical plants to 
replace the power that's being produced on people's rooftops, of course there's going to be subsidies because that's how new technology works these days. There are billions and billions and billions and billions, hundreds of billions of dollars worldwide. Oh, God, I thought you were going to do that a hundred times. <laughs> no, hundreds of billions of dollars worldwide subsidizing oil and gas industries all over the world in different countries. Venezuela, Saudi Arabia, Iran, they all have these huge, huge government subsidies providing cheap gas to their people to export all of this stuff that's polluting the hell out of our world. One way or the other, we're cleaning this gas up. We're digging it out of the ground. This solar stuff is a freaking drop in the bucket, and people need to get real. Wow, you're a bit overexcited there. He also said you got to remember that there's also returns for this. For example, Nevada gave lots of tax breaks and stuff to Tesla to build their gigafactory. And in return, they're going to get over 6,000 direct jobs and 16,000 indirect ones. And already, uh, Moody's has increased Nevada's credit rating because of this one deal. So Good jobs, Nevada, too. Not just crappy jobs. Good jobs. That, good middle-class jobs. So uh, it was a bit of a like back up there in your face. So before you say, oh, the government's sucking teat Tesla, you might want to uh, stop for a second and get the broader picture. And I suggest this article that you can read in Treehugger, in tree, at treehugger.com. And if you do a little search for the uh, Elon Musk, you'll find the article there. And we'll put a, a link li- in the show notes. To put a little bit more into focus, okay, right? Please. Can you so focus we're talking $5 billion in government subsidies, federal government subsidies, I believe they were talking about, some state, but mostly federal government subsidies. The state of Washington, just the state of Washington, gave Boeing $8.7 billion to keep making planes in Washington. One argument I heard from the the biggest amount of money, by far overwhelming, that we spend on oil subsidies is defending our overseas oil interests. Yeah, <laughs> uh, invading countries and mm-hmm. trying to stop countries being invaded can cost between ten and five hundred billion a year. Thank you very much. So shut the you people who say that we shouldn't be subsidising solar. If you want to be a non-subsidy person, okay, but be consistent. No subsidies for anybody, any time, especially your mortgage. You. And rave and rant and rave. Uh, so let's talk about let's talk a little bit about your inside the Tesla experience. Shall we go for a walk to the car? I mean, we can go for a walk from the car, but I'm curious about your. You've had the Tesla for almost a year now, not over a year, over a year, over a year, nice, over a year now. And I just like. Like, what are your feelings about where things are positioned, the design things? Let's talk specifically. Let's talk specifically about that touchscreen in the center. Well, what, what are your thoughts about that? Thing? We're going to walk to the car right now. Let's go. All right. We're walking over to the car, Tom. Did you hear that car start behind us? That was not. That was not the Tesla. Tesla. <laughs> so loud! Turn your car off, buddy. <laughs> it's crazy. Get a real car. All that noise. All right, here we are. We're getting uh, to the Tesla. Does it make any noise when I open the door? Oh, let's see if we can catch it. Oh, yes. What I don't understand, and maybe maybe Elon can answer this in an email, is when when you opened the door, the car door, like the mirror comes in when you open the the handles. Why is that? 
And then as soon as you open the door, they start to go out. It, like it's bowing to you or something. It is. It's saying hello. Do you wanted to talk about the touchscreen? Which parts of the touchscreen? I'm just you, we're just looking at right now. I don't know anything about the touchscreen, so like I'm just curious what you know. You've you've interfaced with it quite a bit, and and can you what can you control and what can't you control from the? Can do everything. I mean, it's so. First of all, it's uh, gigantic. Obviously, everybody that has a Tesla or has seen a Tesla. Did you just drop your? <laughs> my car has <laughs> a uh, giant touchscreen so the first things that you notice about it is that it's really easy to see in night or in darkness it's pretty amazing it's bigger than my ipad like twice the size of my bloody ipad so i love this thing um and is it distracting when you're driving you betcha because <laughs> i bottle it the whole time i like the map i think the map is beautiful actually it's i think it's nicer than the google maps even though it probably is the google Maps. It says down here in the bottom right google oh, the google map, map it, it data just, it feels like a different visual look than I think the regular it's, maybe google it's just because it's so huge so i love the map i found the map to be very accurate i guess it's just a google maps but the size of it makes it really easy to see. They also have a heads-up display over here, uh, which is not the touchscreen, where when you're getting navigation directions, it'll also tell you as you look down where you normally look at your speedometer. It uh, gives you whether you need to turn left or right and stuff as well. So I love the mapping software of this thing. It's uh, fantastic. But I wanted to do something very specific, because we could talk about this stupid touchscreen and nobody would care because they can't see it. Yeah. But I want to do one thing here, and then... I don't know if I have an answer, but we're going to try it out. We're going to go to San Francisco. Actually, that's a lie. We were going to go through how the trip software works in the Tesla, but I just got another firmware update, 6.2. I thought I had 6.2, but I think this might be 6.21, which does some tweaks. So we're going to record that audio again, and we're going to play it next month. We've been talking enough. It's 24, 25 minutes into this thing. I think you've had enough of us waffling on, but we'll talk about the trip software and what it means and how to use it. In next episode of Talking 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 Tesla All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's that time of the podcast where we tell you how to get in contact with us. So you can go to talkingtesla.net and there you can sign up for things like Stitcher and you can leave reviews and you can email us at info at talkingtesla.net. One of the particularly cool things you can do is you can grab your iPhone or your Android phone and you can send us a voice memo. Send us a voice memo and tell us what you're thinking, what you like, what you don't like. Just have a commentary and we'll throw it up there in the show. So info at talkingtesla.net. And of course, we have the ubiquitous uh, Twitter account at TalkingTesla. And finally, we've decided we're going to release every two weeks on Wednesday. So uh, every second Wednesday, a new Talking Tesla is going to get thrown up there on the webs that are inter. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hope you enjoyed the show. Looking forward to hearing from you. Talk to you soon. Mel Herbert, bye for now. Let's totally do a test recording, dude. Dude. Okay, we're going to talk Tesla, bro. Have you ever gotten really high in your Tesla?